Today, today in the church's calendar is what is known as the first Sunday and the church's season of Lent. And if you're not familiar with the word Lent, it's, it's simply a time in the, the church's year when we take 40 days to spiritually prepare for Easter. And so during this time, Christians have traditionally kind of tried to reorient and refocus their lives upon Jesus and the journey that he took to the cross to the grave, and ultimately, uh, we celebrate his resurrection at the end of it on Easter. And so, during this season, one of the ways we're, we're doing that, trying to refocus and reorient our lives, is by walking through the Gospel of Matthew together. So, as Jason said, if you didn't, if you didn't grab a copy, uh, we have them at the exits near the offering boxes. This is a free gift to you. We'd love for you to take one. If uh, you're watching online, let us know. We will mail you one. And uh, if you have a friend or a, a coworker that you'd like to invite to read with us or to read with you, and to learn more about who Jesus is, you, you can take a copy for them as well. And so I'm excited to be going through this together. And if you've been reading it all so far, you know that, that in the, the journey of Jesus, he's been going a lot of places already in the first week of reading. Now I'm going to do a little quiz here. How many of you read your readings this week? Just be honest. Let me, okay, awesome, awesome. If you're, if you're behind, you can catch up easily, okay? Uh, and we have a reading plan in each one. But if you've read, you know Jesus at the beginning of Matthew, after the genealogy, he starts going many places very quickly. He's born in Bethlehem. And then, because of persecution from King Herod, he goes as a refugee with his family to Egypt. Then after being in Egypt, he goes and he is eventually, later in life, baptized in the Jordan River. And then after time in the Jordan River, he is sent by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he is tempted he is tempted by Satan, and then he begins his public ministry. And where we kind of see him in the passage we're going to be looking at today is around the Sea of Galilee. And so as we're journeying with Jesus and looking at all these places he's been, and uh, I've been thinking about one of the most unforgettable journeys in my life. And I was on a hike yesterday, and I was reminded of this. And this, this journey took place many years ago. And I've mentioned some of this story before, but... My seminary was having a photography contest, and so I said, you know what, I want to get a great photo. I love photography. I love being outside and hiking, and so it was around New Year's Eve, and uh, the weather was okay. I had some free time. I said, I'm going to go and hike. I knew this perfect spot I'd found on the internet, Black Balsam Knob, and it's right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. You can park, hike like a quarter of a mile, camp. I was ready to go, so I start driving. I get up to the road about a mile before the parking lot, and there's a sign, and it says the Blue Ridge Parkway closed for the season because of the weather. You know, they have snow and stuff every once in a while, so I said, okay. I had some paper maps. That's how long ago this was. I looked at the maps, and I said, okay, there's another, another trailhead in. So I, I go, and I park there, and it's about a four- to five-mile hike now to the campsite. It's a little later in the day, but I, I say, you know what? I want this photo. I'm too far gone. Let's go for it. So I start hiking, and as I'm hiking in, I pass some other people, but everybody was hiking the opposite direction than I was, which is always concerning, right, when nobody is going the same way you are. And somebody was like, where are you going? And I was telling them, and then they said, good luck, and they kept going. And I was like, that's not a good sign. So then in my mind, I started thinking about everything I was taught in Boy Scouts. You know, don't hike alone. Okay, I was alone. I tell people where you're going. Well, I had done a 
a reroute and my phone wasn't working, so I hadn't told people exactly where I was going. And then be prepared. And I wasn't prepared to hike because I thought I was just going to walk up a hill from a parking lot. And so my boots were on. I was starting to get blisters. And I was starting to get a little nervous. And then I finally got to this sign. And the sign said, Welcome to Shining Rock Wilderness Area. Uh, No fires. No large camping groups. Emergency access is very limited. No water. Continue at your own risk. And in that moment, I had to decide, was I going to keep going or was I going to turn around and go back to the comfort of my own home? So back to the, back to the gospel of Matthew. So if you've been reading, you know that uh, Jesus... When he encounters different people, he's been, he gives an invitation. You're going to see this throughout the gospel. He gives an invitation, and it's, it's very simple. It's two words. It's follow me. It's a very simple invitation. He gives it to Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and they drop what they're doing. They follow him. He gives it to James and John. They, they drop what they're doing. They follow him. They don't understand fully what it means, but they begin following him. And when he says, follow me, he's inviting everyone to be his disciple, which is a word that means something like student or apprentice. And so he's inviting people to go where he goes, to do what he does, to think what he thinks, and to let him be the leader. And so he he gives this invitation, follow me. And as these disciples begin following him, he begins his public ministry. He He begins casting out demons. He begins healing people. He begins teaching with authority. You'll get to the Sermon on the Mount and see that he's teaching like like they've never heard before. They say, this man is different. This man is one who has authority. He has power. He's no ordinary man. And so the crowds are building. All these people are are trying to follow him. And as all of these people are beginning this journey with Jesus, in today's passage we're going to look at, he basically holds up a sign to them. It's kind of like that sign I saw years ago. It's almost like a warning sign to the people. And he says, look, if you're going to follow me, you need to know what's up ahead. And so we're going to look at Matthew Matthew chapter 8 this morning. If you have your little uh, journals, it's on page, page 42. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. After all the crowds are building, Jesus' popularity is soaring. Here's what he, Matthew tells us. We read in verse 18 this, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And so here they're talking about go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee in a boat. He gives orders to do that. And as, as he's doing that, a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But but he, that is Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? O you of little faith. 
Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? What sort of man is this? That's the question that Matthew is trying to help his readers answer. What sort of man is this? And I don't know about you, but I mean, when we come to reading the Gospels, a lot of us, we have an idea of what sort of man Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but when I think of Jesus, and I think of all of these people saying, Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to go with you. We want to go on the journey with you. I imagine Jesus saying, come on, let's go. Get in. Let's get more boats. Let's, let's, make, a, let's make a big spot for everybody. But he doesn't do that, does he? No, instead, when a man comes up to him, and this man's a very religious man, and he says, hey, hey, Jesus, I want to go with you. Let's go. I want to follow you. I want to respond to your invitation. What does Jesus do? Jesus, he tells him a hard truth. He says, look, foxes have holes, birds have nests. All these animals, they have places to put their head at night. They have places of comfortable rest. But if you follow me, he says, you're not guaranteed any such comforts. He's really saying you need to prepare to be uncomfortable if you're going to follow me and journey with me. You need to know that, that if you journey with me, I mean, maybe he would say today, you're, you're not guaranteed to have a, a separate bedroom for every kid in your household. You're not guaranteed after a long day of ministry where you're tired and you're worn out and maybe you have a little compassion fatigue that you're going to have a quiet place you can go and lay your head. Instead, later, Jesus is going to tell his disciples, look, if you're going to follow me, you need to be prepared to live on hospitality, the hospitality of others and handouts. You need to prepare to be uncomfortable. You need to prepare to take up your cross if you're going to follow me. And what does the man do? Did you catch it? It doesn't say. So we don't know if the man said, Jesus, I'll go where you go, and hopped into a boat and maybe started going to the other side with him, or if the man saw that sign Jesus was holding up and said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back home. The thought of being uncomfortable and a difficult journey, that doesn't appeal to me. And at that point, I would think that most of the crowd had left. I mean, you know, if that was us, we'd probably be like, I don't know about this guy anymore. Let's, let's, let's just go home. But, but people are still clamoring for Jesus. People are still interested in following him. And so another guy comes up to him, and this guy calls him Lord. Which, if you're not a churchy person, Lord is a word that means something like master or ultimate leader. And so this guy's like, hey, Jesus, I believe you're the ultimate leader. I'll go, I'll go wherever you go. Just let me do one thing first. Let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says what, what some people say is the most shocking thing in the New Testament I don't know if you caught it. It's a little offensive. It seems kind of insensitive, right? Jesus says to the man who says, let me go and bury my father. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. Follow me. Follow me. And now that's a reasonable request, right? I mean, if one of you were serving and you said, hey, I had a tragedy in the family, I would say, you know, go take your time, do that. Kind of expect Jesus to say the same thing, but he doesn't. 
And for, for, for Jewish culture, I mean, this would have been very shocking because as a son of a man, I mean, that would have been his responsibility to take care of his father and his estate and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. And so this has confounded people for a long time because you come to this passage and, you know, you're like, oh, love your neighbor, love God. Oh, I like all those nice words of Jesus. And then these are some of the tough words of Jesus. So one of my friends, he, he wrote a book. It's called... Uh, when the words of Jesus don't make sense. And this was in there, and he, he talks about different ways theologians have tried to kind of explain this. His name is Talbot Davis, and he says one way people have tried to explain it is to say that actually the guy's father isn't dead yet. It's, it's kind of speaking metaphorically that he's saying, hey, my father's gonna die soon. Jesus, just give me a little bit more time. Give me a little bit more time with my family. Other people say that perhaps it's, this is figuratively, again, that maybe, maybe Jesus is referring to like the, the spiritually dead nature of the man's family that's back home. And so Jesus is saying, look, you are spiritually dead. Your family's spiritually dead. Like, leave that behind. Come with me and experience new life. Maybe. Other, others say, and I tend to agree with this interpretation, but we're not quite sure what's going on. We don't have a lot of details. But if you look at Jewish culture in that day, for, for people, there was often two burials. There was a first burial and a second burial. And so the first burial, when somebody died, they would usually be put in a tomb with lots of other bodies, and they would decay for about a year. Then they would go in the tomb, they would gather the bones, and they would put the bones in, in a, an ossuary, a bone box, and then have a second burial. And so some scholars have said, well, maybe this man had come to Jesus in between the first burial and the second burial. And so Jesus says to the man, let the dead bury their own dead. Let, let the bones take care of the other bones. Come on, follow me. But here's the deal, whether you, you whatever explanation you try to come up with, like however you try to take the edge off, the edge still remains, Right? These are still very difficult words of Jesus because Jesus is saying here for people who want to follow him, he's saying, look, if you're going to follow me, you have to reorganize your family relationships. I want to be above your family. I want to be first. He's saying, look, if you're going to follow me, you need to be ready to be maybe rejected by culture and to do things that are against cultural norms. Follow me. He says, if you're going to follow me, I need to be first above everything else. And so this invitation that Jesus gives here to would-be followers, it's an invitation he gives to us today. It's a very simple invitation, but it's a simple invitation to a difficult journey. And he wants us to be aware of what's up ahead. And I think, you know, I think the reason these words are so hard for us is because a lot of times in our culture, when we present Jesus to other people, we, we usually present Jesus kind of like a, a timeshare, okay? I, I have nothing against timeshares, but, but stick with me here. A while back, Emily, Emily and I were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we were young and, you know, holding hands down the street, and so all the people were, were itching for us. You know, have you ever been there? You ever had a timeshare pitch to you? So they're like, hey, do y'all want free tickets to Dollywood? Hey, do you want a great vacation home as you begin your family that's hassle-free? Hey, do you want 
flexibility in a place where you can go and have a spa and just relax together as a couple. Hey, do you want a free steak dinner and a free night at the best hotel in Gatlinburg? And I've been around the block a time or two, right? I knew what was going on. Anybody in here ever been to one of those presentations? So yeah, you know how it works. You know how it works. When people are selling timeshares, they always sell and they always start with, with the benefits and the amazing things about having your own timeshare. And that's kind of how we, we do with Jesus too, right, in the church. And I, I'm, I, I do this. So I'm guilty of this. We say, hey, do you want to follow Jesus? You can have eternal life. Do you want to follow Jesus? You can have your sins forgiven because of his grace. Do you want to follow Jesus? When you do, you become part of a new community, the family of God. Do you want new purpose in life? Follow Jesus. Hey, do you, do you need encouragement? Do you need the Holy Spirit to guide you? Hey, Jesus can provide you all of those things. We lead with the blessings and the benefits, and all of those things are true. But you know when it comes to a timeshare, you know, over time you find out, oh, wait, there's all these fees I didn't know about. Oh, wait, there's blackout dates. They didn't tell me about the blackout dates and trading and all this stuff. And then you're like, maybe one day you think this isn't for me and you try to get out of it. And you're like, uh-oh, like I, they didn't tell me about all of this stuff. And in the church, a lot of times when we lead with all these blessings and benefits, which are true, we don't always say, hey, but, but Jesus does ask you to surrender your entire life to him. If you're gonna follow him, Jesus does call you to a life of repentance, Hey, Jesus wants to be number one above everything else. And we don't often give these, these demands and these sacrifices that, that Jesus lays out here because we're afraid, you know, maybe people won't respond if they really know like what Jesus is asking of them. You see, we live in a culture where a lot of us, we want Jesus on our own terms, right? We want Jesus on our own terms. And so we say, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. But, but first, let me, let me like get my family's finances in order, get my 401k maxed out. And then once we get all that situated, then maybe I'll, I'll start giving to your mission and ministry. Jesus, I'll follow you, but, but please don't send me to Africa or to a foreign country as a missionary. Jesus, I'll follow you as long as I don't have to be one of those weird Jesus freaks who like raises their hands in worship and spends all their time at church. And Jesus, I'll follow you, follow you, but I, I better never speak in tongues or anything weird like that. Jesus, I'll follow you as long as I, I can still fit in. As long as people will still like me. Jesus, I'll follow you, but you didn't really mean what you said in the Sermon on the Mount, did you, about loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you? Jesus, I'll follow you, but first, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as, Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you if, a lot of times that's how we come to Jesus, like these people in the passage today, but Jesus, he says, if you're going to follow me, I want everything. I want all that you have and all that you are. And when you look in the scene right after this, you see what a life of following Jesus is like. 
Because you see, some people, they walked away that day. When Jesus held up that warning sign to them, they said, this isn't for me. This is too much. They left. But other people, they, they followed. They got in the boat. And we don't know if there was one boat or if there were a lot of boats, but they got into the boats and they went out on the sea. And did you catch what happened? A huge storm began to rain down on them. The boats began to flood and the people, the disciples, they were all scared. All these followers of Jesus, they're thinking, what is going on? We might die. And you know what? I bet they were thinking in the back of their minds too, like, wait, we followed this guy, Jesus, and Jesus led us into this storm. He knew the storm was going to be here. They're like, what is happening? Jesus is sleeping. I'm sure that really annoyed them. And so they're shaking him. They're waking him up. And then Jesus, he calms the storm and they realize who this man really is. They realize that he is one with authority over the winds, with authority over the waves. They realize that this is a man that can be trusted. And that's what following Jesus, I think, really comes down to. It comes down to trust. Trusting that when he says, I want everything in your life, he wants us to surrender all. It's trusting that whatever he asks of us is for our good. It's trusting that wherever he goes, we will follow. It comes down to trusting. Trusting that no matter what happens in our lives, that he is for us and that he is with us and that no matter the difficulties and the darkness that we may face, no matter the storms, it's trusting that if he is with us, if he is next to us, if we're following him, then ultimately we're going to be okay because it's trusting that even if we experience death, which we all will experience, it's trusting that by following him, we will also follow him into the resurrected life. It requires trust. So back to the story. I was hiking, and I came to the sign. It was getting close to sunset, and I said, let's go for it. I didn't say let's because it was just me, but I said, I'm going to go for it. So I kept hiking. I didn't have the right boots on got blisters on my feet. I got to the campsite right before sundown. I set up my tent. Phone wasn't working because if you know cold weather, it drains batteries, so the battery on the phone wasn't working. Soon after, my water bottle froze because it was below freezing. I wasn't really expecting that. And it, it's a black balsam knob, so it's a knob. There's no trees on top, which makes for great photos, but makes for really cold nights in the tent. So I, I set up my tent. I didn't have a cold weather sleeping bag. So I'm in the cold sleeping bag. And the reason this is an unforgettable journey, because it's one of the few times in my life I truly thought I might die alone in the wilderness. And I was just praying and I kind of fell asleep for a little bit and I had a watch. And at 5.30 a.m. I said, let's pack it up and get ready to go. So I packed everything up and I did get one photo. We got the photo here. I got one photo that was pretty good. It's not that good, though. It wasn't worth it, I don't think. But I got the photo, packed up everything, hiked down the mountain, drove until I found a barbecue restaurant. I ate barbecue, got in my car, and went home. And that day I learned one important lesson, and that is pay attention to the signs that are pointing you to the journey ahead. And this morning, Jesus, in our scripture lesson, is holding up a sign. 
And the sign is that simple invitation. The, the invitation is follow me. And he's telling each of us it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And you and I have to decide if we are going to go ahead and follow him or if we're going to turn around and continue to live our lives without him. So let's pray and ask for the strength to follow wherever he goes. Heavenly Father, we, we confess that we are comfortable people. We love our comfort. We love convenience. A lot of times we love the culture around us. But this morning we hear you calling us to a life of discomfort. To a life of discipleship to a life of following you wherever you go and to doing whatever you say. And so, God, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would give us strength to say yes. Yes, I will go where you lead. Yes, I will do what you say. Yes, I will forsake all of these things, some of them bad, some of them good. I will forsake all of them for the greatest thing, for knowing you and living my life beside you. So God, this morning, some of us, we are in the middle of storms. We're trying to follow you and it, it, it feels like things should be different. But we just pray this morning that just as those disciples learned that day in the boat, help us know and learn that you are always with us. That you have authority over all of creation and that you desire our ultimate good. And help us invite others on this journey as well. And as we do, we pray that you would give us joy, that you would give us love, that you would help us to see that you are worthy of it all. We ask all of this in Christ's holy name.